Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 through 9. On Wednesday evening, we spoke about Joshua chapter 22, and we spoke about the last part of this chapter. On Wednesday night, our message was about moving forward through misunderstandings. The enemy loves to see misunderstandings between the people of God. In the last part of this chapter, it tells of how the two and a half tribes built an altar of remembrance, an altar of witness by the Jordan. When the other tribe heard that they had done this, they were troubled and they were ready to go to war. Just a few weeks before, not even weeks, just days before, they had been standing side by side in battle. Some of their family and friends had given their lives for one another. They had sweat invested. They had time. They had energy invested in one another. And one misunderstanding arises, and they are ready to go to war. They're literally ready to kill their own over the situation. Thankfully, when they met, cooler heads prevailed, and they learned that the altar was not built as an insult against God. They were told this is built as a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with burnt offerings, sacrifice, and fellowship offerings. Now that's what we looked at on Wednesday night. And you know, if you'd all just be here on Wednesday, I could have saved you that time. However, I do want to say this too. Young adults had, I believe, between 25 and 30 back there for their first night, and we're excited about those guys and the things that are happening for them. Today we're going to examine this earlier part of chapter 22, and I want to talk to you about what to do after you've had success. What do you do after you've had success? What do you do after you've accomplished your goals? Now one of the things that I know is this, I know that if we're not careful, we find that when you have accomplished what you've worked so hard and longed for, it can leave you very disillusioned. There's dreams and goals that we can work for for years, and when you finally reach it, you think, if I get here, if I accomplish this, if this happens in my life, then I'll be happy. And you get there, and you accomplish it, and it feels good for a few moments, and it's like, well, is this all there is? Is this really all there is to it? I thought it was going to be a little more than this. I thought it was going to be a little better than this. And if we're not careful, we can become disillusioned whenever we're able to accomplish those goals. But in Joshua 22, starting at verse 1, Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, You have not deserted your brothers, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given your brothers rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him, and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their homes. To half the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given land in Bashan. And to the other half of the tribe, Joshua gave land on the west side of the Jordan with their brothers. 
When Joshua sent them home, he blessed them, saying, Return to your homes with great wealth, with large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and a great quantity of clothing, and divide with your brothers the plunder from your enemies. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh and Canaan to return to Gilead, their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. Now what we find here is that Joshua calls the two and a half tribes together. And he commends them and he honors them. These tribes had promised Moses. Now earlier, Moses had given them land on the other side of the Jordan. And they promised, and he said, I'll give you this land under this condition, that you continue the fight until your brothers receive their inheritance. And they made a solemn vow to Moses. And they said, Moses, we will not stop the battle. We will not stop the fight until all the land that God has promised has been given to the children of Israel, to our brothers. And so they honored that fight as long as Moses lived. They honored that commitment. After Moses died, they renewed their pledge of loyalty to Joshua. They said, Joshua, just like we were committed to Moses, we're committed to you. Just like we were committed on a day, as committed as we were on the day that we made our pledge to Moses, we are just as committed to you and to the mission. And so when Joshua comes to him now, Joshua says to him, you've done all that Moses commanded. You've obeyed all of his commands. And you've obeyed all the commands that I gave you. You see, they had been loyal to Moses. They had been loyal to Joshua. They had been loyal to their brothers from the other tribes. Verse 3 says, For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. That long time was seven years away from home. Seven years. Seven years of fighting. Seven years of living out in the field. Seven years of going from scary situation and challenging situation to challenging situation. And they obeyed their leaders. They remained committed to the leaders and they remained committed to their brothers. First point I want to bring out to you is be loyal to God. Whenever you experience success, continue to be loyal to God. Why had they been so loyal to the mission? Wouldn't it have been a lot easier to go home? Seven weeks would be, would be a while for me. Seven months would be stretching it. Seven years away from home? Seven years fighting? Why they've been so loyal to their mission, their leaders, and their fellow soldiers? Because they were first loyal to the Lord their God. People who are loyal to the Lord will be loyal to others and faithful to the mission he has given them. Do you understand that principle? When people are first loyal to God, their first loyalty wasn't to the nation. Their first loyalty wasn't to their brothers. Their first loyalty wasn't to their leader. Their first loyalty was to God. But when people are loyal to God, other things start to fall into place. When people are loyal to God, they're loyal to their friends and to others. 
When people are loyal to God, they will be faithful to the mission, even if it costs them dearly. When people are loyal to God, they'll be loyal to their leaders, those who God places in authority. People who are not loyal to the Lord will find it difficult to fulfill his mission. The things that God asks him to do, the thing God asks him to endure, is going to seem like it costs way too much. I can't do that. No, you're asking too much of me. Why is that? Because, first of all, they're not loyal to God. People who quit in the midst of what God has called them to do, the problem is, is their loyalty to the Lord. When God has called you to a mission, my friend, when he's put his anointing upon your life and you know it's a lifelong mission from him, you had better not quit in the middle because if you do, he will not be pleased with you. And those who are loyal to God or find the strength because of their loyalty to the Lord, those who are loyal to him find the strength to fulfill the mission to which he has called them. Even whenever it seems bleak and even when it seems hard and when it seems like it's costing too much and when it seems like the demands are too high, when you're loyal to God, you're able to overcome those things that you see on the external. People who are not loyal to the Lord as I said, will find it difficult to fulfill their mission. They'll find it difficult to come under the authority of leadership. And they will find it difficult to be loyal to others. It was the Lord's mission they were carrying out. And it was his name they were seeking to glorify. Colossians 3. Now some of you say, well, pastor, that's the Old Testament. Well, in Colossians 3, Paul writes, and listen to me. He doesn't write to administrators. This is not written to co-owners of businesses. This is not written to country club members. He writes to slaves. And you know what he says to slaves? The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this to slaves. He says, whatever you do, Well, no, Pastor, this applies to businessmen who are trying to build their own business. This applies to salesmen who make their living based upon a commission. No, this applies to people who work for a good company and they're involved in profit sharing. That's who it applies to. No, this is to slaves. To slaves, the Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now Joshua officially discharges them of their duties. They've accomplished their mission and they've kept their promises. The tribes were now free to go home. For God had given his people rest. The idea of rest is important in the book of Joshua. It means much more than simply an afternoon to put up your feet. It means more than a weekend off or a sabbatical. It means more than the end of war. The word carries with it the meaning of both victory and security. And it involves Israel having their resting place in the land. God promised to give his people rest and he kept his promise. And there's a spiritual application of this rest for us today. When we trust Jesus as our Savior, 
we enter into rest because we are no longer at war with God. When you come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a rest that comes to you. Why? You're not in war with God. Before you were at war with God, you were enemies of God. When we yield ourselves completely to him in obedience and surrender, we enter into a deeper rest. And we begin to enjoy our spiritual riches in Christ Jesus. We begin to enjoy the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. However, we experience restlessness when we battle with surrender and obedience to God's will. Someone should, honestly, if you're taking notes, you should write that one down. I know it's very simple, yet it's so very profound. You experience restlessness. When we trust Jesus as Savior, we enter into rest because we're no longer at war with God. When we yield ourselves completely to him in obedience and surrender, we enter into a deeper rest and enjoy our spiritual riches in Christ Jesus. We experience restlessness when we battle with surrender and obedience to God's will. Whenever you're lacking rest, when you're lacking peace, I want to suggest to you that oftentimes that comes as a result of our unwillingness to surrender to the will and to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Think about it. Do you ever notice that like there's times where you just are lacking peace, you're lacking joy, and you're in the midst of this, am I going to give in? Am I going to do what I want to do? Am I going to submit to God? And we don't say it that way. We don't usually, well, I, I don't agree with what's happening We don't usually put it in the reality of the terms. The question comes, you're going to have rest when you submit to God's authority in your life. And you will be restless when you refuse to submit to his authority. When you have to have your way, you're going to lose your peace. When you have to have your way, you're going to lose your joy. You know, it seems like, wait a minute, if I get to do it my way, then surely I'll have peace. But that's not the way that it works. When we surrender, he gives us rest again. When you submit yourself, when you find yourself restless, what you'll find is when you submit yourself to the will of God and yield yourself to the will of God, you'll find that peace comes in your heart once again. Rest comes into your heart once again. Like any good leader, Joshua was more concerned about the spiritual walk of his people than anything else. The army had experienced victory in Canaan because... They experienced military victory because Joshua loved the Lord and obeyed his word. And that would be the key to them continuing to live in peace and prosperity. You know, sometimes we start, there's certain basic things that we start with and they work. And after we're, we've been around for a while, we think that, oh, that's just too simple. We think we need to improve on it. No, Joshua experienced victory because he loved God with all of his heart and he did the will of God. And those same principles were going to bring them peace and prosperity later on throughout their lives. The key to Joshua's success, this secret of success, if you're looking for a secret, is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, 
that you may be successful wherever you go. Wait a minute. They weren't just going to have success on the battlefield. They were going to have success in their homes. They weren't just going to have success in their families. They were going to have success in the financial realm. They weren't going to just have success in the financial realm. They were going to have success in their spiritual lives. That whenever you put the Lord first, you can have success wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The second thing, what do we do after we have had success? Well, one thing we don't do is we don't just prop our feet up and rest on our laurels. The second thing that we do is that we be diligent in worshiping and obeying God. Be diligent in worshiping and obeying God. Isn't it amazing that many of the people, as you look throughout the Bible, we find many examples of men who were very successful at the beginning of their lives, spiritually, and later on in their lives, they grew lax and they had spiritual failures. The Bible's full of great men of God who had success at the beginning because they followed God diligently. But after the success came, they became at ease. We need to be diligent in our worship and, and obedience of God. They were serious. When they went out to battle, I mean, they're like, would you pray for me? Lord, go with us. Why? Because they realized this was a life and death situation. Well, my friend today, whether you realize it or not, in a spiritual sense, we live every day in a life and death situation. The enemy goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. His target is on your behind. He has you in his target. His entire purpose is to rob you, to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy everything you have and everything that you are that's of value. Anything that holds value to you, the enemy wants to destroy. And so we need to realize that we are in a spiritual battle. There's many people who are going about walking around as if they're not in a spiritual battle, just like in the midst of a battlefield with bullets flying, and they're walking around oblivious. It's time to wake up. We are in a battle for your soul. We are in a battle for your children's soul. We're in a battle for your family, that the enemy will not stop coming after you. And you and I need to be aware of that. In the midst of that battle, they were diligent. They obeyed their commander. So we must be diligent in worship. We must be diligent in obeying the Lord our God. After this great success, if they were to continue to live in peace and prosperity in their homes, it was imperative that they follow Joshua's command one more time. Whenever Joshua said to go this way, they went that way. Whenever their commander-in-chief gave them a command, they did what he said. And that brought them victory. And now at this end, as Joshua is sending them back to their home, in victory, in peace, it's imperative that they obey his command one more time. What is his command? Look at verse 5. But be very careful. Be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, not part of his ways, 
to obey his commands, to hold fast to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Their motive for their obedience, didn't that verse sound like something that Joshua had been commanded to do earlier? Huh? That was some good advice that he received. And he passed to say, if you want to see why I've had success, it's because of these things that I've done. And if you want to have success in your life, and you want to continue after these military victories, if you want to continue living in the blessings of God, then you need to keep hold of these truths. The motive for their obedience had to be love for the Lord their God. If they loved him, they would delight in walking in all his ways and obeying his commands. Instead of trying to serve two masters, they would cling to the Lord and serve him alone with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their strength. Jesus said that this was the first and greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. So if we disobey, if that's the greatest commandment, to love the Lord with all of our heart, not just to love him. Oh, I love him. But to love him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, with everything you have. If that's the first and if that's the greatest commandment, I know we say there's no sin, sin. But wouldn't it make sense if that's the greatest commandment? That perhaps the greatest sin may be not to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Could it possibly be that that is the greatest sin? John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said these words. He said, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Verse 6 says that Joshua blessed them. Now, it was the ministry of the high priest to bless God's people. But the common people could invoke God's blessing on others, especially like a father could bless his children, or a leader could bless those who are under his authority. What a sight this must have been. Here's this army of warriors. And this old man, Joshua, he's 80-some years old. Can you see him reaching out his hands? I'd imagine there were probably tears in his eyes. As he looked out across these warriors that he could see in their faces, they were excited, yet they were tired. They were weary, yet they were energized about the possibility of seeing their children and their wives and going home. And there was this anticipation that was upon their faces. And as they looked out there, I imagine Joshua probably remembered some of the battles that they had fought together. I imagine he remembered some of the challenges they had faced. He probably looked at some of them and saw some of the scars on their bodies from their warfare. Maybe he looked over to his left and saw someone who had literally saved his life or someone who had fought beside him or a guy who came in as a young boy and now he's leaving a man. Joshua looks out over them and I can just see him reaching out his hands over them, blessing them. The love in his heart for his men 
These weren't just any men. There is a tie that is forged in the midst of difficulties. There's a union that's formed in the midst of trial and difficulty that's not easily broken. And as Joshua looks out over these men, he realizes, I'm 80-some I'm years old. Many of these guys who I love with all my heart, I will never see them again. And, and he reaches out his hands over them, and they kneel, and he pronounces a blessing upon them. When you've experienced success, be blessed but share the blessing with others. When you've experienced success, you be blessed, but share the blessing with others. The blessing was words of blessing over them, but that's not all that the blessing entailed. The blessing also included the spoils of war. The Bible says that they had large herds of livestock, silver, gold, bronze, iron, and a large supply of clothing. This was given to them, but they were told by Joshua that this success and its blessing was to be shared with those who remained at home, protecting those left behind and caring for the community. I can see some kid going to school. Remember when you were a kid and kids would come to school with a t-shirt and says, my grandparents went to Florida and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Any of you remember those? My grandparents went to Disney World and all I got was this stinking shirt. I can imagine as they handed out the stuff that day, was it came back sharing the spoils of war, I can picture some little Israelite child, maybe from the tribe of Manasseh, saying, my grandpa went to Canaan for seven years and all I got was this t-shirt. This is a reminder to us that the success we experience is not possible without the help and the support of others. If you've experienced success in your life, it's not possible without the help and the support of others. When you do experience success, be sure to share the credit and the rewards of it with everybody else. Some of you will say, wait a minute, I've worked so hard for this. I'm going to just tell you, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable if you share the success with others. It's incredible. Whenever blessings come in your life, even if it's verbalizing to others, people say, what a great job you've done. Well, it's because of the people I got with me. They're what helps me. What an awesome victory you won. Oh, it's because of the Lord. I know where my help comes from. My strength comes from the Lord. Be very careful when you've experienced success and when you've reached your goals that you don't dishonor the Lord and you don't dishonor those around you by taking all the glory. Friends, the glory goes to him. The praise goes to him. The thanks goes to him because he's the one who strengthens your hands for war. He's the one who enables you. He's the one who empowers you. And there's something about when you've had success and you share it with others, the blessing it becomes to the whole family. There were men who had stayed home and they had farmed the fields and they had served to protect the cities and they had cared for the women and the children and they had taken care of the businesses and the things that were going on there. Their place was just as vital. And as God gives you success, I just want to encourage you that you don't take all the credit. 
What I found is when we are willing to share the credit and share the glory, that God's able to trust you with even more success. It wasn't just the credit. They took some of the riches that they had, and they shared it with their brothers. And when God blesses you, you be sure, you be sure that you share with somebody else. Be sure that you help somebody else. You know, the Bible says it will be rich. What does that mean? That means we'll always have enough to share. That God will provide for us. When God makes us rich, it doesn't mean that we're all going to live in huge mansions. It means that God's going to take care of us. Our needs are going to be met. And I'm going to have enough to share with somebody else. I'm going to have enough to help someone else and share with them. As we close, I want to say this to you. Get ready for your success because as you're obedient, God's going to bring it. As you follow the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, as you determine in your heart that you're going to love him and keep his commands and you're going to be careful to do all that he's commanded, you're going to be blessed and you're going to prosper wherever you go. But it was so vital for Joshua to remind them, don't lose sight. Don't lose sight of the reason for your prosperity. Don't lose sight of the reason why we were victorious. And those same basic principles that brought you victory the first time are going to be those same basic principles that are going to keep you living in a place of victory and overcoming. We don't get so spiritual and built up that we don't need to love the Lord with all of our heart. We don't become so spiritual that we don't need to seek him. And the funny thing is, is I find sometimes Christians who think they've become so mature that they don't have to obey the basic principles of God's word. And I just look at them and I just realize how disillusioned they are. How deceived they are. The very basic things, humility and trust in God and dependence upon him that God has started is going to be the thing that leads us to cause us to triumph in Christ. Now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time together. And I pray for your success and your blessing to go with your people. What I think of old Joshua as he stood there and raised out his hands. He looked across those warriors, ragged, tired in some ways, a lot more gray hair, more scars, but they were victorious. They were rugged. They were victorious, though. They were blessed by you. And I look over this congregation, Lord, and I want to bless them. Lord, I bless them with hearts that above everything else love you. I bless them, Lord, with eyes that search for you. I bless them with the ability, Lord, to turn their eyes and their attention away from worthless things. I bless them with discernment to be able to see the deception and the tricks of the enemy who would love to pull their attention off of you and their focus off of you. Bless them with the courage to be able to root out sin in their lives and to obey you wholeheartedly. I bless them, Lord, with the strength to refuse to compromise no matter what everybody else around them is doing, no matter what everybody else around them is saying. I pray, God, that they would have the strength that they would not compromise or lower their standards or give in to the lies of the enemy but that they would set their heart to follow you with everything that's within them.
I bless them, Lord, with a desire to love you more and to seek you more than anything else in the world. God, I pray that you'd plant that in every one of their hearts, a seed that just begins to grow. And no matter what comes their way to try to kill out and stamp out that seed, God, I pray that that would just keep coming back, this hunger and thirst for righteousness, this love and this desire to please the Lord with all their hearts. Father, I pray that nothing would be able to steal that away from them. I pray that they would not turn away from your law, that they would not turn away from your commandments, but they would draw near to them. I pray they wouldn't make excuses for what they would want to do, what their flesh would want to do. But God, I bless them with the ability to put to death whatever belongs to the sinful nature. And I pray that as they do that, Father, I bless them with rest. Just bless them, Lord, right now in Jesus' name with rest, with peace and prosperity. In the midst of turmoil around them, in their souls, that their souls would be at rest with you, O God. Hallelujah, Lord. Now go before them, make the way straight, empower them with the Holy Ghost. Lord, I also bless them with restlessness. When they are struggling to obey you and not willing to surrender to you, I pray that they would be so restless. I pray this message would ring in their ear. And I pray that they would say, thanks, Pastor, because you love us. And the Father loves us. And he's going to make me restless until I surrender to his will. Then I can have peace. And then I can have prosperity continually. And I thank you for that, Lord. Go with them today. Empower them by your Holy Spirit to be the men and women of God that you've called them to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.